as of this moment, right now, Danny, these are the 1930s again, with all the charm and romance, all the gaiety. That was a carefree world, Danny, and I'm going to make it that way again. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to another wonderful episode of Strange Highways. Welcome back, guys. Uh, I am Paul, and this is Kevin. Hey, what's going on? We're much more in sync this time because we're in the same room. It's uh, it's a different experience for us. Yeah, it feels really strange. We're usually Skyping. and like, uh, This is the first time we've actually met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just like I, was, I was on Craigslist being like, hey, do you guys want to talk about TV? And I got a lot of interest, but then Kevin's, Kevin's was just, the sweetest. I showed up with my uh, little rolling cart and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with my own microphone. I'm like, let's yeah. do the show. It's like, do you want to watch films about bears? I'm like, not that kind of bears. Anyway, uh, so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, last last week's episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it more than like the episode. Like, I hope the podcast was enjoyed. The episode, I know we didn't much care for, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, but I hope you guys enjoyed watching that, listening to the show. Yeah. I hope you tried Kevin's shot. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Well, we're not talking about Mr. Denton this week. We're talking about Miss Trenton. Yes. Ah. Um, like he, you think uh, Serling was like, I just need a name, I need a name. And he's like, that works because it rhymes. And he just moves on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. There's just going to be like a, a kind of a vague connection. Fenton, yeah. <laughs> Minton, Milton, Burton. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this week's episode is the 16 millimeter shrine. Uh, we will just dive right in here to uh, context. Uh, October 23rd, 1959 air date. Yeah. Um, um. This was the uh, same day that the Mummy was released in theaters. Which... I, I actually had that written down. I thought you'd be surprised that. Yeah, I, uh... I was. I was really excited to see that, and it was like a week after another one of my uh, favorites from this era, Bucket of Blood, came out as well. I saw that. Like, I use some. I don't know how accurate these websites are when you go to type in dates because it's yeah. just, like a lot of it feels like clickbait stuff so i saw yeah, that yeah, listed yeah. as something but i wasn't sure of yeah it came out like the 21st or something but i it, it kept popping up when i was searching this date and i love that movie so um so yeah and uh, again uh, number one song mac the knife that's still going to be around for a bit uh pillow talk is still the number one film I'm tired of those two you're right you think people would just like be like we want something else uh the one thing that uh, that was an odd odd fact that kevin thought i'd be surprised about but i found out uh, is that October 23rd, 1959, was the actual birthday of two very important people in our lives. Well, I got one of them. Oh, you got one of them. Yeah, I didn't get the second one. Okay, who um, do you have? I have Weird Al. Okay, that's the that's one for me, and here's one for you, Sam Raimi. 
Oh wow! There you go. Okay. How did I miss that? I one? don't know that one. Yeah. Wow. So okay, I figured b- both those guys have shaped my lives in like ways on un- you know that they don't know. So yeah, I, I, I know cool. you're a huge Weird Al fan. So I yeah. uh, I was like, if if Paul doesn't catch this, <laughs> I'm going to be so disappointed with him. <laughs> and I, I it was one of those things I had to double check. I'm like, is that right? Like, and, and I'm like, kind of disappointed I didn't catch the same Raimi thing. There you go. You're but, done. Walk yeah. away. Well, All right. <laughs> get, see you guys. Get Thanks out for of listening. My studio now. <laughs> Um, anyway, so fun uh, lasted. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, some interesting stuff going on there. Uh, we we'll just go into uh, cast and crew. Yeah. Might as well get into that right now. This episode was directed by uh, Mitchell Lazen. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but uh, he did two other episodes of the Twilight Zone. Uh, it looks like they were later episodes, and uh, he did a lot of movies. Nothing I was too familiar with. Um, he did work with Billy Wilder on two movies though. Okay. Which kind of has a connection to this episode being it does, yeah. that this episode is similar to Sunset Boulevard. Which did you know the connection between this episode and Sunset Boulevard? No. Other I, so, other than the Billy Wilder connection, uh, I don't know. Two things. I looked up about the director, uh, as quoted and again, this is the internet, so we'll take it with a grain of salt. Uh quoted became known for his keen sense of aesthetics and the glossy Hollywood melodramas and screwball comedies he turned out. So he did do a lot of the films like in the, and if you even noticed in the episode when um, uh, she's watching herself, it has that fuzzed over soapy look that a lot of those thirties movies had. Yeah. So he, as he, if anybody knew how to make them, this guy, he did that sometimes. Uh, the other thing too, is that the, the music, the uh, music made, uh, uh, in the episode, the scoring was done by a uh, Franz Waxman who composed the score for sunset Boulevard. Oh, wow. I, I, you know, I was looking at him cause I really did enjoy the score of this. It had that like real old Hollywood sound to it. Yeah. And um, I, I was really impressed with it because the past couple episodes have been kind of weak, like reusing bits of other scores and stuff and, and nothing being too exciting. Um, this score was really, really cool. Yeah, it was good. And I just thought that was interesting that it like, oh, this episode owes a lot to Sunset Boulevard and you actually have the guy that did the music for it. Yeah. So that, and that, the director worked with Billy Wilder on two yeah. movies. So, I mean, yeah, this has it not only thematically, but uh technically <laughs> yeah a lot to do with uh sunset boulevard i guess so uh cast we the the star who barbara jean trenton uh ida lupino is that how you pronounce her last name yeah uh so she would be later on to be the only female to direct an episode of twilight zone and actually had the distinction of being the only actor to have acted an episode and directed an episode yeah i saw that's pretty impressive um yeah this was the only one she acted in though yeah, and I then she that. was the first woman to direct a film noir. I looked that up, too. Oh, wow. Um, and also, she... Like, I read her story, and it's like she did... She called herself a, a poor man's Betty Davis, because I guess every role Betty Davis turned out, she just would take. And she kind of... Hey, that's, she, not, that's she, not a bad distinction no, to have. <laughs> no. Uh, and so she isn't one of those actresses that you you think back on now to remember in the spotlight, because she was taking the projects that weren't the A-list projects, but she was a working, working actress and wouldn't take no for an answer... And she butted heads with the studio a lot of times about like roles that were being handed to her. She's like, uh, that's not, um, what did she say? 
um, beneath her dignity as an actress. So she would stand up for herself and she forced herself into basically writing and directing a lot because she, you know, it, it felt better for her to control parts of this. So she, well, it's kind of funny cause, uh, she's kind of the ex- exact opposite of the character that she plays in this with the exception um, of refusing roles. Well, yeah, but, but still, but still she worked for like a good, 45 years yeah as an actress like that's that's a long run yeah so it's just interesting story like it almost feels like her life would make an interesting movie now of her kind of working her way through the system playing the game but then also you know she even made um like uh she even had a film production studio there for a bit too yeah so interesting um i do want to bring up she was in uh the devil's reign with uh william shatner which oh. is if you haven't seen that it's like uh <laughs> It's this whole Satan movie, and there's like melting people, and it's it's an insane movie. Um, yeah, I saw she was in it. I was like, no way. <laughs> that's funny. Um, it's Shatner, you know, so that's awesome. No, there's Wally Zoe connection, a future one. Yeah. Uh, who else we got here? Uh, Martin uh, Balsam. Yeah, Basalm. making his uh, making his uh, second appearance on the show already. And I think I spelled his name Martian Basalm on my notes by accident. <laughs> that didn't need that to happen. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, Big things. He was also in another episode of Twilight Zone, the yeah. new exhibit. Well, he was in Time Element. He was Doctor Gillespie in Time Element. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's like his. So no wonder when I was looking it up, they didn't mention other Twilight Zone episodes because that technically isn't one. Okay. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. So um, um, yeah, we talked about him on the episode zero. Okay. We went into all of his stuff. That's but... right. He. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I. I was like that guy looks familiar to me, <laughs> and it was well, just funny that like that isn't what clicked. You know. He he always reminds me of the old man from Christmas Story. <laughs> yes. And like oh, I, I always that actor's name, but you're right. That looks like him. Yeah. yeah. God, I I could kick myself for not remembering his name, but every time he pops up on screen, I'm like, is it? No, no, this is way where's, too early. Where's the Bumpus's dogs? They're coming. He looks like the old man in the Christmas story, and this is like <laughs> <laughs> twenty years before. So it's like it's it's obviously not him. But um, so he was in some other stuff that I know you'd be a fan of. Like he was uh, a detective and psycho. Um, he was also Professor Rosinski in The Sentinel. Yeah. Um, which I know it's like one of your favorite movies. Yeah, I love this. I mean, and of all the movies that you do talk about on your other podcast, it's one of the ones I've seen. So, oh, nice. Because uh, that whole bit where the dude walks across the screen, oh. creepy as all get out. So, yeah. and I, I will have a question for you later that ties in directly to your other podcast. So, everybody, listen ahead. It's a foreshadowing of a question that's coming. Uh, he was also in Death Wish Three and Delta Force. Yeah, so I had yeah, I remember Canon films in there too. Yeah, I brought those ones up. Uh, I think episode zero. That's oh, funny. okay. See, there you go. I yeah. I didn't listen to myself. So. <laughs> and then he was also in a few episodes of the eighties Twilight Zone revival. So that, that was kind of oh, cool. Nice. Brought him back for that. Yeah, and then we got uh, Jerome Cohen playing Jerry uh, Herndon. I God, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Um, yeah, this is his only Twilight Zone episode. He was a big film noir actor too. He was actually in Maltese Falcon, which okay. uh, and uh, a few other noirs I wasn't too familiar with, but most notably Maltese Falcon. And then we had uh, uh, Ted DeCorza, who was Marty Sal. He was only in for one scene. He was the the guy at the studio. Yeah, didn't really find anything about him. So and then, uh, the only other person in the entire episode is uh, Alice Frost, who plays the housekeeper Sally. Yes. And she I, was also in one other Twilight Zone episode. Oh, okay. So I didn't that's know about that. it. So there, there's your <laughs> cast. Some interesting connections there. I, um, I couldn't leave her off because there's literally only five people in this episode. <laughs> and I'm true. like, I'm not going to leave Alice Frost off. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is, 
<laughs> Gotta give yeah. credit. And she has the best reactions in the entire episode. So oh, yeah. Got, yeah. So, um, all right. So that's your cast. Uh, we got some context. So let's just go ahead. We'll jump into the episode proper. Uh, we do have a Sterling intro as always. Picture of a woman looking at a picture. Movie great of another time. Once brilliant star in a firmament no longer a part of the sky. Eclipsed by the movement of earth and time. Barbara Jean Trenton, whose world is a projection room, whose dreams are made out of celluloid. Barbara Jean Trenton, struck down by hit-and-run years and lying on the unhappy pavement, trying desperately to get the license number of fleeting fame. Horns. I don't know why it's always horns. Yeah, I, I love the way he says fleeting yeah, like, it just so yeah. I looked it up. Um, at, at the time of the filming, she was forty-one years old, and everyone was treating her like she needed to go to the glue factory, like she was done. <laughs> and I like, and I get that this is going to probably come like further in the conversation of uh, age and beauty and what appeals. Um, but it's like she doesn't seem that old to me. Yeah, and the way they're treating her, like she was some, some kind of spinterest. Uh, spinterest is that where old ladies go and like they <laughs> they pin things about cats? Like I like this cat. I like seven cats. Oh man, Here, here's a board about my cat. Uh, anyway, spinterest. I'm I'm trademarking that. So she is being uh, like this shut in pretty much. Yeah, like so she's a aging actress who uh, can't let go of the past. Is Pretty much the entire episode, but uh, yeah. it starts out with her watching herself on the... Uh, she's got basically a screening room, um, which was a beautiful set, yes. I have to say. Like, I love all the furniture and everything. It was it was so, like, I don't know, intricate. <laughs> no, I, I liked... Um, it, it felt very... Uh, it reminds me now kind of like the beginning of Citizen Kane where they're all watching the newsreel at the start because yeah. it definitely has that good contrast. Um, I love the sound of the the projector. I know that's just me knowing well, that's how film is, but that's still you yeah. hear the projector running. Well, even beyond that, uh, the way they shoot, because they, they rarely actually show the screen and uh, they just show everyone's reaction of watching the screen. And I love the effect, the lighting effect that they were just doing the strobe on the character's face, the flickering of the projector. Yeah. I It was... It was so great um, in the beginning just to set the atmosphere, but uh, later on in the episode to really create a otherworldly effect. Yeah, and I, I also give her credit for being like one of the first people to sit there and binge watch something all day. That felt very like... like you, even had to, though, you had to do work. Yeah, it's, you, there you was no autoplay. <laughs> you like. had to load the film and then... you know. But it's like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and just binge watch myself all day. Yeah, um, you got to change the reel at least halfway through the movie, if not more. <laughs> it's like the cigarette burn's coming up. Damn it. All right. Um, so you, you get the feeling you know that like obviously she was someone of some notoriety in the 30s. Uh, her, her friend uh, slash like is he uh, agent? Um, it's not really I, quite clear uh, what he yeah, is. Yeah, they don't really make it clear. I, I would just say he's a friend, and he is a really good friend. I <laughs> like I, I he is patient as all hell. Like <laughs> I I don't know if I I could possibly be as patient as uh, he is in this. Uh, yeah, Danny, I, I also put here um, is so in the friend zone that it hurts. Yeah, because you could tell, like you know. But I'm trying to think, like he reminds me of another character, or there's there's been other instances that we've seen since this where you have 
that person that was famous or of of note that has like an assistant that remember that that knows what they were famous for and yeah. still kind of treats them that way. Yeah, it does sound familiar. I'm sure there's like a million. You know what I mean? Like there's there has to. It sounds like there's we've seen this a lot. Yeah, you know. I'm trying. And the only other thing I can think of is um off the top of my head is uh Jane Krasinski or however you pronounce her name from Thirty Rock. Uh, the the blonde actress. Oh yeah, she's always like fighting age and always trying to be cast younger, and like she always has people trying to tell her how great she is as opposed to how great she was. Yeah. So I f- it feels like that a little bit. Um, but I'm just trying to think. There's there has to be somewhat like uh, I, it's yeah, I, I'm drawing yeah. a blank. Yeah. So it's, it looks like he has her best interest though in heart. Where he's like he wants her to still feel important, still feel like a star, and remind her like, hey, you can still go out and do things. Yeah. Like. like, like Come outside, and he was like trying to say that it was nice and sunny in L.A. and not smoggy, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I love how she's like, "You always come in here and give me these weather reports. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with them?" Yeah, um, but he wants her to kind of feel the way she used to, so much so that he sets up an interview for her at International Pictures. Yeah, because he's like, "They're got a part for you. You should come check it out." Uh, she, so the so then the the show shifts from the one set pretty much to just one standalone shot. Uh, and was that an office or a living room? It felt like like it, there, there was weird because it, it was couches. it was probably the same set refurnished really quickly. <laughs> Maybe because it was like I saw a screen. I'm like, does that guy live there? Like I was just felt really <laughs> weird like to go to go visit him. But they established that they, they they have a history together. That she always would butt heads with him at the studio. And so then it almost felt like uh, Danny set this up as like. Hey, do you have anything to offer as opposed to, but make it sound like it's for her specifically. Yeah. Make her, make her feel like, you know, it's worth doing this again. And he, he gets offered the part. It's of a mom of like a vibrant mom. Yeah. Or whatever you described it. And she got offended. Yeah. Well, at first she gets offended that she said she'd never play a mother role and, uh, she would never take a, uh, a bit role. Yeah. But did you also notice like she wears a veil in public? Yeah, so to, to, to hide, hide the aging. Yeah, so and and then basically the the guy called her out. You know, even though he was a bit of a jerk uh, about like you know you aren't the same person that you are. You're not as uh, you're not as popular as you were. And then she storms off because it's way easier to be offended by someone making a statement than admitting to yourself that hey times have changed. Yeah. Um. And so so that, that's where things take a a more Twilight Zoney twist into delusion. Um, even yeah. more so. Yeah, so she gets back home and she just decides, like, uh, the rest of the world doesn't exist to me. I'm just going to lock myself back up in the house. And uh... <laughs> and I actually, she gets home and then she gets angry at the world. I have, I have a little bit of what she's angry at. I have that uh, dialogue. From now on, I keep the drapes drawn and doors locked. I don't want any of the outside world coming in. Not the Marty Sauls or the movies without sentiment. Actors in undershirts, rock and roll, jukeboxes, not any of it. Jukeboxes? Actors in undershirts. Like, that's a... <laughs> that's a that's an oddly specific... I don't know what she's talking about. Brando, maybe? Or, like, like streetcar? Yeah. Name desire like, or something? Like, <laughs> this, is, this is before James Dean, right? Or is this after James Dean? No, it's before him. Because I know um, he... Yeah. yeah, maybe you're talking about Brando. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a weird, weird thing. You For know? some reason, Brando. Uh, I, I'm picturing streetcar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so she basically says, "You know what?" Like, also, too, by the way, she must have done really well for herself because even though you only saw part of her mansion, you could tell that place was huge. 
And it's like she you do you don't get the idea that she's running out of money. She just doesn't want to do anything anymore. So it, it doesn't seem like this is a need to go and still produce. There's never ever a mention of bills, never a mention of like, hey, you know, you've been in here long enough, it's time or you're gonna lose everything. It's just like she could just stay there and watch her movies all day. I don't understand what the big deal was. Yeah. You know, other than um friend zone uh Danny, you know Friend Zone Um yeah. That's a horrible nickname to have. <laughs> and I, well, speaking of the, do you remember what she said to him in regards to like Danny like you know, here it's this. Danny, you're a nice guy and a loyal friend. And in my selfish, devious way, I'm very much in love with you. That is that that's cold. Yeah, she's she's got a lot of really cold moments in this. Yeah, like it was hard for me. Like I don't, I did not cheer for her at all. No, and, and it, it, I was waiting. I was waiting for that moment of if I'm not cheering for her, then when is her come up and going to show up? Yeah, and that really didn't show up either. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll so. get to that because I wanted to talk about that at the end as well. Okay. Um, so I mean, we're kind of zipping through because I mean, there's really this. Is yeah, the, again, the, um, Twilight Zone kind of lives and dies with its simple storylines getting to the point which yeah. it's really good at um developing a story in a quick amount of time um so where were we well yeah D- so, Danny decides to like hey well she wants to throw a party yeah that's what that's yeah. what i was trying to find um yeah she wants to throw a party and invite all of her old actor friends like she's naming off all the people she used to work with back in the day like and, the co-star you saw in the beginning of the movie where he was wearing the the weird hat with the feather yeah like the errol flynn of his like i don't know why i was thinking errol flynn but i saw the goofy hat and it was very <laughs> much it looked like like um like merchant marine love story type thing at the beginning yeah. so um, this yeah. is where danny you can tell he's really frustrated at this point have you forgotten? Paul Nader's been dead for five years. Jerry Herndon lives in Chicago. Steve Black hasn't been around for 15 years. So, brief aside, that reminded me of a bit. Uh, you remember there's the episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns wanted to make a softball team? You don't remember this? Like, no. way, like this is early, early on. So he... Uh, he decides that he's going to like uh, like recruit all these professional baseball players and give them jobs at the power plant so yeah. they could all then play on the softball team. And he goes through this whole rant about like collecting these players. So I have that real quick. Honus Wagner, Cap Anson, Mordecai Three Finger Brown. Uh, sir, it, what is it, Smithers? I'm afraid all those players have retired and uh, passed on. In fact, your your right fielder has been dead for 130 years. Damnation! <laughs> that felt very, like, out of touch, out of time. I was just like, that reminded me. That's a good pull. <laughs> That's funny. Damnation. So, so yeah, she wants to have this big party. Because, basically, like, she wants to say, screw it to the 50s. Like, like, basically, she doesn't like that time because she's not young anymore. And she's idolizing the 30s because yeah. she was important. She was young. She was beautiful. Yeah, so... Danny storms off and uh, she locks the door behind him and uh, we go to the first break. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so uh, she's there still watching her movies. Uh, and then he decides that, oh, hey, Jerry Hernan's in town. Uh, I just found this out by, you know, by accident. I had him come over to try to visit her to kind of lift her spirits. You also get the feeling, too, that Danny knows that, like, um, hey, they've all gotten older. So it's like, let's show you. That it isn't what you think it is. Yeah, anymore. you're not alone in this. Yeah, and and, uh, and so Jerry Herndon shows up. Super yeah. King. This this is the <laughs> second instance of uh, Barbara kind of being really cold. Yeah, uh, um, I I had that, and it's like I just had after a while. I started like finding audio. I'm like, she's just mean to everybody, and she had that whole like realization of like, oh, you know, I just I 
you have an image in your head of what someone looks like, but then you actually see them. It's like she's trying to be like complimentary, but she's just being terrible to this guy who he hasn't acted in a number of years. He's found success like having supermarkets. And when he says so, she almost like spits the words out of her mouth like they're disgusting that he runs supermarkets. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then she runs over and looks at the photo of him on the wall and right in front of him, too. And she's all like, oh, I thought we'd do another movie together. And then this and then this. And then he just comes over and was like, you know, basically like, you know. Goodbye, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) He leaves. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm not sticking around for this. But there was a cool shot in there, though, where the photo that she was looking up at had him embracing her. And they're both kind of looking off to the right. Like, it's standard, like, glamour, like, romance shot. But then if you in the image on the the screen, her back's turned to him. His back is, uh, you know, so they're both their backs are facing the camera and he's almost facing her directly the same way that was in the photo, but their backs are to us. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting how it was framed where you saw the youth looking forward and then, you know, the, the current now, the past, like, you know, yeah. old age looking away. Yeah, it was it was kind of I don't know if it was on purpose, but it was very, very mirror like and it was kind of cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Um yeah, so that Jerry ends up leaving, and uh, Danny follows him out, and she goes back to the screening room. And uh, here's where things get real interesting. Yeah, so it was already kind of hinted at earlier with her easily startable, uh, uh, start, startable, uh, start, <laughs> startled. Yeah, her easily startled uh, assistant, because uh, she said at one point, like, sometimes I swear she's on that screen. And I want to look at her and be like, yeah, she's watching her own movies. Of course she's on the screen. You know, why, why wouldn't she be there? But it's kind of hinted that there's been more going on before yeah. we meet her. Um, and so uh, her assistant comes in screams drops an entire plate of things which is what you're supposed to do when you have a plate of things as you drop it and then uh runs off and tells danny like hey come here and then you find out what happened yeah well before she runs in uh, uh um barbara's looking at the screen and she says oh, oh yeah. i wish i could be up there with you and uh the picture kind of blurs and that's when we cut to the housekeeper coming in it was very much like a laura moment where it got all yeah. watery and then it's like yeah. what happened you know For sure yeah. So, um, um, so yeah. Yeah. So then Danny comes running in and, uh, the, Sally's like, you got to go in there. She's not in the house anymore. And he goes rushing into the projector, uh, the screening room and, uh, Barbara's not in there. Yeah. And so he turns on the, the film projector, which like, I, again, I'm a sucker for just hearing that come on and just him watching what happened. Yeah. Just with that flickering light yeah. on both him and Sally. And then the realization of what happened. Such great imagery is that she she wished she wished herself back into that time with all the people that she knew back then at their you know Hollywood best. Yeah, she's she's basically throwing the party that she wanted to throw, but it's on film. Yeah. And, and uh did you notice it was taking place in the main the uh, foyer, yeah. The yeah, the foyer of the house there, which is uh I I thought really cool. Yeah, so then he Danny yells and was like, "Hey, you know, I love you. He didn't say that, but he's like, yeah, that's what he's thinking, you know, um, like come back, you know, and then she turns and looks at him and it doesn't say anything, but she has a scarf that she, yeah, she blows know, she, him a kiss yeah, and, and then, then pulls out the handkerchief or scarf, whatever it was, and then throws it like tosses it, which for a brief second, I was expecting it to come out of the screen and fall there. I, I did too. I, I, I would have lost. I would have been like, that's I actually amazing. looked away 
and I thought that may have happened, so I had to rewind it and watch it. And uh, I, yeah, that that would have been cool. But I like what happened, though. Yeah, I, I do like how this all. So unfolds. she turns away and goes off to her her you know everlasting party that she willed into existence. Um, and then he goes out to the the foyer and picks up the scarf, and he he sniffs it because that's that's what you do. And then well, he's been in the friend zone so long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, what it, else are you going to do at this and point? Then he smiles. It's like, it's like basically like, Oh, she got what she wanted, you know? Yeah. And, and so she's rewarded for being cold and distant. Yeah. There's two ways you can take it. Um, you can take it as being flat out magic that the wish works, which is what I think was implied because, uh, Roger Serling in the outro, says wish about three times i think and yeah. uh i mean the whole the whole episode talks about wishes the entire time um but i mean you can take it as as she's dead you know because well, obviously she isn't coming back so technically <laughs> she's dead but uh <laughs> yeah i mean yeah but i mean i mean you can take it in a darker way which i don't think it was going because then she is punished you know because well, I was expecting, and that that um, but it's it's too happy of a tone for the end for me to think that that's what happened. Like, if I cared more about the character, and maybe like again, I know I go back and rewrite all the Twilight Zone like I did last week with Mister Denton, <laughs> but if it was something where she was a shut in and she wanted to come out, and then like her helper was like, "Oh no, no, you stay in there. Like you, you were beautiful. Watch this, and like you keep her kind of locked in her gilded cage type of thing." And then she wishes herself into the movie. It's like, okay, that would have been a happier ending. Yeah. But she was self, you know, self-imprisoned. Yeah, she was uh, conceited. She was cold. Yeah. And so it's like, but she got what she, she wanted. Was, uh, <laughs> so I was waiting for, I was waiting for something a little bit more. Yeah, she was like, really selfish too. So it's uh, like, like if all the people showed up and been like, oh, hey, welcome back. We have this mom role for you or something. And it'd been like, <laughs> no, you know. Yeah. Or, or they're like, wait, we're all still young. You're not. And then they, they force her away or something that would have been, you know, that I don't know, like clearly I'm not Rod Serling, you know, but it just felt like, why does she get to have that happy ending? Yeah. You know, so that felt a little weird. So my question for you, and this is tying into your other podcast that you do, which you guys do celebrate older cinema and off the off the wall cinema, the power of nostalgia. I wanted to talk to you about for a second, oh, right? Because I feel like you and your co-host Rick on Radio Violenta, and you guys should check that out. Um, they they had a real artful discussion this last episode about people being eaten, so you should check that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, you guys, you know, you guys can see the forest for the trees and appreciate what was then and what is now. But I feel like a lot of people in the circle of the similar genre movies that you get into don't want to consider anything past a certain date. Yeah, and I and I wonder, like it always feels like nostalgia is a wonderful thing, but it's an easy way to separate yourself from anything going on now. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where you have to be able to recognize what's nostalgia. Because, I mean, there's movies from my childhood that I love that now I watch and I understand are horrible films, you know? But sometimes it's hard to connect that. And uh, you're right, a lot of people that are into genre cinema, it's it's something that you discover at a young age. You know, like I discovered Nightmare on Elm Street real young. You know, I yeah. watched Jaws when I was real young. And th- that feeling is something that really stuck with me. And it's why I've become such a big horror movie fan. And uh, it, it's hard to let those emotions, because they're real strong feelings that you feel about these movies. It's hard to let those go and look at it from like a critical point. 
Yeah, and I feel like now that especially we're in the summer of where the Ghostbusters remake yeah, is with, coming. Yeah, and this is a huge it, point of contention. For some reason. And it's I, just I like, don't understand. I, whatever. I mean, I know people are going to have their opinions, but it's like everyone... The big thing is like, well, why would you use the same name? Like, well, why wouldn't you use the yeah. same name? It's people. They're, they're ghosts. They bust them. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Um, well, it, that's the thing. Like, it's it's change, and this episode has to do a lot with dealing with change, mm-hmm. and uh, it, sometimes it's hard it, it, to deal with it. And I, it, you have to talk yourself through it. And you know, Ghostbusters is another movie that's near and dear to my heart. At least the first one, I <laughs> I love it. I like I like the second one quite a bit too. But uh, I mean, I love the first one. But that movie is not going anywhere. Well, it's I, made and it's there. And sometimes it's hard to remember that remember that that that's true and that movie's not going to change your younger days everything is still there and that's what danny was saying in this whole too is like you know that's 25 30 years ago and it's basically like like none of that's going anywhere yeah it's like you're still you still did those things you know and um so i i also feel like nostalgia now is stronger than ever because now that everything's so fractured with so much access to different types of media yeah you can pretty much get anything that you want well that yeah. like uh, from your childhood like i mean i if i want to watch i was trying to find a, a burger king commercial the other day <laughs> that i remembered from like the early 90s i go on youtube i found it in 10 seconds yeah but it's like um uh, i'm trying to think like right now so you got obviously ghostbusters coming out and then like i know like next year you got like a, a blade runner sequel i feel like it's now that like the stuff is like kind of like permeated and it's been out for a long time. More people know what it is, so then you can kind of build off that excitement, like Jurassic World, like yeah. other things. Like there's a big hard nostalgia button in there. But I feel like now with um like podcasts and YouTube videos and and everything being so fractured that it you can't. It, it's hard to feel nostalgic if only you and five people know about something. So then you have to let things kind of go for a bit, and then you're like, oh well, that was amazing. Remember that? And yeah, uh, now you see every post like '90s kids had the best childhood if this, <laughs> you know. And it's like, and well, yeah. every every generation thinks they're the best, and that all the subsequent uh, generations are the worst. You know, right? like yeah. It, but it's 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 the same thing every time. Like I mean, <laughs> like well, that's, that's what every was, generation yeah. is almost exactly the same. They go through their rebellion, and then you know it's just well because I was thinking about it. It's like okay, so this was fifties to the thirties, right? Yeah. So if we did from twenty sixteen to nineteen ninety six, um, you know that's it that doesn't seem like that far away, but it, it is. It is, yeah. The, you know, it's kind of scary how fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just gonna sit in my room and watch nineteen ninety six movies, and then never ever go past that, and have yeah. a nineties party, and it's just gonna be a bunch of like you know flannel, and that's all it's gonna be. It's just gonna be all my friends. But like you think about that, and it's like people people look fondly back on those times, being like, man, everything was so much better then. Well, you know, I grew up in the nineties. There was still crap then too. You yeah. know, it's like, and that's that's okay. I just I can't I can't latch into a time. I, I guess it's just one of those things. As you get older, it's like you realize that everything has it's good and it's bad. And and like things like the Twilight Zone, it's like fifty years old. That's good, and we're going to still hang on to it. I just it's it's just I can't. It still feels like this is very much prevalent today, though, where people are just like, oh, music isn't the same. Yeah, uh, movies aren't the same. You know. Yeah, and, and I, I I honestly believe right now we're living in the best time to be a fan of any of these types of media. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so much out there. And it, anyone that complains, music, movies, TV, 
saying it's not the same as it used to be or anything like that is full of shit. <laughs> and they have not dug deep enough to find. And there's so much more of it being made stuff. now, so there has to be quality that's going to rise to the top. Yeah, you know, yeah, for so, sure. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting because you do have a show that is that is focused mainly on things of you know like i know you're going to start covering some newer stuff as well soon yeah, but, occasionally but a lot of it is like 30 years plus or 30 years at you know it, it does go back yeah which um, is before both of us were born on the show so nostalgia barely plays a factor into <laughs> it i mean some of the stuff is stuff we watch when we were younger on vhs and all that so it it is a part of us but um I mean, some of the stuff, like we talked about a Euro spy movie called uh, Seven Golden Men. It's like, I have no nostalgia for that. <laughs> like, I saw it last year for the first time, you know? So, <laughs> um, That's but, true. Yeah, this is a theme that is really relevant today as well. Yeah. And... Uh, most of the themes on Twilight Zone always are, and that's why the show has really stood the test of time. Yeah, that's true. So um, I just thought that was interesting because that's that's really what it comes down to is the power of things used to be. You know? Yeah. Um, well, especially like you brought up Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, I think that's still relevant, though. Yeah, you know, so, it definitely um, is. Uh, so uh, real quick here before we get to our twist meter, something I just want to recommend. Uh, you may know this. You may not. Um, this reminded me a lot of a book by Clive Barker called Cold Heart Canyon. That is an amazing, good, messed up horror novel. I bought it on your uh, suggestion. I haven't read oh, it yet. Yeah, I've, I've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, just to let the listeners know briefly, it's about an action star that's aging. So he goes, it's like, think of like a Schwarzenegger type or like a Bruce Willis type. Yeah. So he goes and gets like some plastic surgery and he has to lay low for a while to let it heal up. So there's this old mansion in the Hollywood Hills that was like um, owned by like a, like a silver screen starlet that... Um, that it's basically it's still there no one lives there so he and his agent are like just go there until you heal up so there's no paparazzi around and as he's there he starts to find that that starlet's still there she's the same age as she was because there's something really wrong with that house and it's it's like it goes to like this whole silver age of filmmaking and it, it it is really messed up and it's a really fun fun look at like vanity and fame and then also like the excess of this time because there's always rumors of what went on with parties in like the thirties and forties with like within Hollywood. Yeah. And it's, it's a good recommendation. I, I like this cause it also kind of deals with like the magic of movies and the magic of belief. And it's, it's a messed up book. So anyway, yeah, Clark I can't Canyon. wait to get to that. Yeah. I, I went through a spree. And I bought like every Clive Barker book. I didn't own. He's, it's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, 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 definitely it's daunting, is. but it's good. Yeah. I yeah. just picked up a uh, Scarlet gospels too. So I'm excited oh, to get into that. I haven't read any of the newer stuff. Cause you know, his old stuff so much better. I'm joking. That's me being <laughs> no. but, the uh, good old days. Yeah. The good yeah. old days of Clive Barker. Um, um, so that's my recommendation. I feel like is tying to this uh, other than sunset Boulevard, which I think is worth watching as well. Yeah. Um, great. And a great film. Yeah. So, uh, I don't else? think that's uh, questioned by anyone. <laughs> um, no, I, I would just say this is, I, I love the feel of this episode. I love the old Hollywood feel of this. And it it deals with things, like we said, really relevant today. Um, and the look of this episode is just fabulous. Like, I, I, I can't get enough of this the whole atmosphere of yeah. this episode. This I felt like the first enough. Twilight Zone episode we've watched. You know, like, in terms of, like, what like, cause I mean, obviously time element had like the structure yeah. and then, and then, um, you know, where is everybody? It was just kind of, you know, yeah, that it, one feels that, that I was going to say the, that. En- the ending feels a little bit more twilight yeah, zone ish, but this like from start to finish, this one felt like what you think of the twilight zone being. Yeah. yeah. Have, had you seen this one before? No, no. Okay. I, I saw this a really long time ago. Um, 
again, I remembered vaguely some of the characters and what it was about, but I didn't remember a lot. And uh, it, 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 this one's going to stick with me, I have a feeling, for a while. Yeah. Even though I couldn't connect with the main character. And uh, I, I, the twist kind oh. of felt off. Let, yeah, let's talk about our twist meter right now. Yeah, yeah. I had to throw Mr. Death in there, too. But uh, anyway, so <laughs> yeah. twist meter, what do you give the twist out of five? Five cigarettes or five ashtrays or five something cancerous? Um, I like the twist. I'm going to give it three out of five. I like it, but it feels off because of like yes. what we were saying that she is a horrible person in this. <laughs> like, there's no getting around saying it. Like, and, and I know she has a mental illness, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, so uh, there's dependency issues there. There's some depression. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's it's hard to say that in full. But uh, she is a pretty horrible person in this, and uh, she definitely does not get her comeuppance in this. And yeah. it's just... It feels off, but I do like the twist of her getting pulled into the film and the whole uh, scarf being thrown out and him finding it. Like I, I think the stuff is really, uh, it's it's uh, it feels like Twilight Zone, like yeah. what you're saying. So, so I did like it, but I, I feel like I can't go above three out of five for that twist just because it didn't feel earned almost. And that's that's kind of where I fall too. So, uh, brief aside, only one cigarette, and that was like halfway through the episode. So yeah. very, you know, very healthy Twilight Zone. Keep it up. Um, I'm giving it a two just because it it was a twist. Um, it, even though you could kind of see it coming, yeah. pretty far out. Well, the um, scarf. I I think the scarf is the that helped the thing. Yeah, that that's really what pushed it up. But I got the two because she really got what she wanted. There was no there was like in this day and age you always expect like oh look it's all happy and then then you want you want that um creep show turn at the very very end that tells from the crypt like yeah. oh you got what you wanted now you have to suffer and there's some twilight zone episodes later that deal with like like all you think you got what you wanted and like and the, yeah. those are much the more kind of satisfying ball thing yeah um so so that's yeah i give it a two so yeah. i just i just feel bad for danny <laughs> right you know yeah. i mean <laughs> all that work and she just disappeared yeah <laughs> it's like how, how do you tell like if you if you start like being an agent for another actress like hey wh- i worked with her like what happened to her well you know she got into the movies never saw her again yeah she got into them <laughs> <laughs> i have her scarf you want to see it um so and then also the the friend smelling like the, the assistant like where's she gonna work now what's gonna happen to that house yeah like you know is anybody going to tell Jerry? Yeah, she got off easy. Like, I'm worried about Jerry Herndon. I need to know what happened to Jerry. <laughs> oh, Jerry's going to be fine. He's a super ki- supermarket king of Chicago. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> what um, about Marty? Oh. No, he's yeah. probably in the Illuminati or something. <laughs> he's going to be A-OK. <laughs> He'll be fine. Um, so, speaking of nostalgia, uh, next episode's actually, uh, it, it deals with uh, a guy going home again, literally, uh, walking distance was the next episode yeah and that actually has one of those uh, bernard herman scores as well that nice. we, we talked about and yeah. this is one of the ones people reference a lot i have not seen it yeah it's, a, it's another one of uh visiting the past again so yeah so kind of kind of a nice throwaway for that yeah um so, so it'll be three episodes that kind of deal with uh the past yeah and then we're coming up on one of mine like uh, after after that and the next one's the lonely which is one of my favorite episodes nice so that will yeah, be, be fun might have some uh guests on the horizon as well so. absolutely um, so do you want to give uh, give give the facts of how to contact us and how to reach us? Um, yeah, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, find a Strange Highways podcast. Um, we got some people uh, t- 
talking and sharing some Twilight Zone stuff up on there. And then you can always email us your thoughts on the episodes. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Um, anything you want to talk about involving any of the episodes, basically. Um, Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. There we go. So um, that will that will do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, check out Kevin as well on Radio Violenta. Uh, they talk about um, delicious things there. And then also you can check yeah, out. Especially this week. Yeah. Like I asked you why you guys were eating pork rinds during that episode. Ugh. but. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know, uh, like uh, Joe and I, we do Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we had an interesting conversation about Stan Lee this week and also Joe's uh, conundrum of paying way too much for a comic book and then finding out <laughs> it's not exactly what he thought it was. Oh. So, um, yeah, check that out. That yeah, was, I, get, uh, I get a listen to that one still. <laughs> so, anyway, check us out on those things. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Next week, Walking Distance. And, um, and until next time, like, you know, if you're binge watching a show on Netflix, just make sure it's a good one before you go walking into it. I don't know. So, all right, we'll see you next time.